Well, good morning, Dorisville. Have we met God today or what? What an incredible time of worship, and God is good, and I'm glad. We are glad that you're in the house of the Lord with us today. We welcome our members, and we welcome our guests today. Thank you for coming, and really, like David said, our prayers today that you really encounter God, not encountering a church or denomination or a, a, a particular group of people, but encounter the living God. Now, we're in a series, and a series is where we take a particular topic and talk about it over several, several weeks. And we're in a series now entitled, I bet you can guess, Life Apps. And for those of you who know about Androids and iPhones and those kind of things, those are small computers, and all those small computers are small programs, and they literally do everything. You can buy online, you can get it to set your alarm clock, keep track of how far you run, all these different applications do different things. And so what we want to do today is we don't want to talk about the Android or the Droid X, the most incredible phone in the whole world, or an iPhone. We want to talk about something far more incredible, and that is God's life apps for us. The Bible is filled with stories and applications for us that will help us as we journey through life. Now, one thing we learned, though. And this to me is still huge. I was sharing with my wife. I said, Judy, it's still so big to me. And that is this. That application is everything. Application is everything. We still have our trusty treadmill here. And we talk about the fact if you go to the doctor and the doctor says you need to lose weight or you need to exercise some because your heart's not in good condition. You, know, you can go to the sporting goods store and you can buy a treadmill and you can set it into your bedroom. Okay, But until you actually get on the treadmill, it does a little good. You can't sit over the bedroom and go, that is one fine treadmill. I feel better already. It just won't do anything for you until you get on. Now, there are some benefits. If your closet is too full, you can hang clothes on it. But that's not the fulfilling purpose of a treadmill. So it is. When we come to God's house and we don't apply the things we hear... We may feel better about ourselves. Sometimes we may feel worse and count that as a religious experience of some sort. We get to be with our friends and we get to drink a cup of coffee together. All those things. But if we don't apply what we hear, we're like the treadmill. We get some residual benefit, but we really don't get what God intended. We've got to apply the teaching of the Word of God. So that was our kickoff message. And then we hit on one called forgiveness. And here's what we discovered. Forgiven people forgive. And we understand that forgiveness is not for, our, our, for the other person, it's for ourselves. Because unforgiveness is like a cancer and it eats at us, it eats at us. And when we, don't, when we have unforgiveness in our hearts, it just burns like bad heartburn. And then if we forgive, we find that burden gone. And we discovered that if we'll spend some time here at the cross and remember what Jesus did for us, it helps us to forgive others. Last week we had a hard message. We talked about confession. Confession is more than just telling God you're sorry. Confession involves action. It involves action. It may involve going to God and say, God, I am sorry, but it also involves this thing called repentance, which means going this way and turn around and going this way. It means telling God you're sorry enough to quit. It means say, God, as far as I'm concerned, this deal's over. I'm going in the opposite direction. That was the easy part. But I said it also involves sometimes going to a person and saying, I wronged you and I'm sorry. It may involve you finding a partner. That you can pray with. And that person will ask you hard questions like, hey, did you look at porn this week? Hey, hey, did you, did you drink this week? Did you have drugs this week? Someone who will hold you accountable because I found out something. 
If all I do is go to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I have a tendency to just going back out and do the same thing again. But if I know someone, like Brent's going to ask me a hard question during the week, I think twice before I do that. So that was our next message. Now, the third message today on Life Apps is one entitled Generosity. Generosity. This is something we all really do to some degree or another. The word generosity is described as a willingness to share, whether it be time or money or stuff. A generosity is a willingness to share freely. Freely. And all of us do it to some degree. You know, we're doing a chunk of generosity today. As you see, 620 bags here, um, over $10,000 worth of shoes going to be back in that room back there. That's a form of generosity. But here's the, here's the flying the ointment. Here's what happens in American culture. We give expecting some kind of return. And when that return doesn't happen, it shuts down our compassion. Now, often the return is not, I give you 20, so you give me 20 back. It's more or less sometimes just a simple thank you. But we give expecting a certain response. I confess it to you. I am a fixer. I, you come to me with a marriage problem, I want to fix it. And if I, don't, if I can't fix it, you will take my advice. I get frustrated and my compassion box just shuts down because I am a fixer by nature. And God's word today shows us that not that there's a way to give more. That may be a good thing because some of you may need to start giving for the first time of your time and money and resources. But, but really, it's about giving for a different reason. And, and today we're going to cover just the first part of the message. And then later on, like maybe Wednesday night, we'll hit the second part then. But today I want to talk about why is it that we can be generous. Here's what I've discovered. People who have received generosity, people who have received generosity and recognize it, are more likely to be generous. People who have experienced generosity and can look at it and go, Wow, I didn't deserve that, are more likely to be generous to other people. And because of what we receive from God, God says, hey, you can be generous also. There's an incredible story in God's Word. And you know, it's so funny, we kind of talked about this story last week. And, then, and also Robin sang about this story last week. And all of a sudden we find ourselves going back there again today. Let me tell you the story. This is a story from the Word of God found in Luke chapter 7. The Bible says a religious leader, a head guy in the church, decided to invite Jesus over for lunch. So Jesus said, sure, I'll go. And he's at the table. And back in those days, they didn't sit at the table. They reclined. They would lay down their elbow and their feet would kick out to the side. That's how they ate. They didn't have a kitchen table with four chairs. They sort of laid around on a rug and they ate lunch. While they're eating, they hear some commotion off to the side. And a woman comes in. First off, this is a men's meeting. This is a men's club. And a woman comes in uninvited. And all of a sudden, you hear something. And and what you hear is this gentle sobbing. She begins to cry. In fact, she begins to cry alligator tears so that the tears begin to fall on the feet of Jesus Christ. And then she does something, I'm sure Simon, the religious guy, is over going, okay, along with several people in the room. But all of a sudden she falls down on her knees and she begins to take her hands and wipe the feet of Jesus that are wetted by her tears. And then she undoes her hair and she begins to wash the feet of Jesus with her hair. And then... She reaches into her gown 
And she pulls out a small box, a, a flask really. And in that flask is some perfume. Probably worth what today would be thousands of dollars. Perhaps, you know how some people invest in gold for their savings? People would put their savings in very expensive perfumes. She takes this flask or this box, whichever one it was, and breaks it open. And once again, now she takes that ointment, that very expensive ointment, and begins coating the feet of Jesus. The church guy, Simon, who invited Jesus over for lunch, says to himself, This guy, talking about Jesus, this guy, if he really was a prophet, if he really was what he says he is, would know a couple of things. First off, he would know who this woman is. Secondly, he would know that she is a prostitute. She is who she is, and that she is a sinner, she is a prostitute. Jesus has this ability to know what you're thinking. So if you're in the presence of Jesus, be careful what you think, because he kind of like reads your mind. So, so Jesus goes like this. Simon, I have something to say to you. And the religious guy says, okay, go ahead. Once there was a guy, and he was a creditor. That is, he had money to loan. And two guys owed him money. One guy owed him, owed him 500 days worth of wages. A year and a half of wages. This guy owed this guy. Owed this guy. Another guy only owed him 50 days wages. Neither one of them could pay the debt. So you know what the creditor did? He called them both in and said, guys, today is your day. I forgive the debt. You no longer owe me. The guy said, what? what? Don't owe you? No, no, you don't owe me. Listen, your 500 day wages of, uh, days of wages, it's forgiven. You don't owe me. The 50 days of wages... You don't owe me. Wow. Wow. Then Jesus said to the religious leader, Simon, he said, so, Simon, which one do you think loved the creditor more? Simon thought about it for a moment and said, well, I think it would be the person who was forgiven the most. The guy who owed him him 500 days wages, he probably loved the creditor guy for forgiving that more than the guy who just 50. And Jesus said, you've answered right. That's exactly correct. Now, Simon, let me tell you something. I came to your house. And I came at your house, to your house, at your invitation. Now, Simon, as you know, it's very customary that when a person comes in to your home, that you would take a bowl of water and a towel and have one of your servants, servants to wash their feet. So, Simon, I came in, I took my shoes off, but there was no servant, and there was no bowl of water, and there was no towel. In fact, my feet were still dirty. But, Simon, this woman came into the room, and she began to cry. And she got down, and she took the tears as they fell and began washing my feet. And then she took her hair. And use as a towel and wipe the dirt off my feet. Simon, Simon, you gave me no water or basin, and yet she has washed my feet with her tears and with her hair. Simon, 
You, come on, you know the rules. When I came into your house, you know it's customary. We do the double cheek thing, you know. You lean over and you kiss me on one cheek and on the other. That's what we do. You know that. But, but Simon, when I came into the room, not only was there no water and no towel and no basin, but there was no kiss. But you know this woman? She came into the room, and after she had washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair, she bent down, Simon. Simon, she kissed my feet. She kissed my feet. You gave me no kiss, and yet this woman kisses my feet. And Simon, come on. You, you know hospitality. You're a leader in the church. You know. You get some oil. When I come into your house, you get some oil and you anoint my face. Refresh me. You know, it's hot, it's sweaty, it's dirty, it don't smell very good. And your obligation was to give me some oil and make me smell better. You didn't, you didn't do that, Simon. And in fact, this woman, she took the very best that she had. A flask of expensive perfume. And Simon, she took that and broke it open and opened it up. And she anointed my feet with this very expensive perfume. Now, Simon, you need to know something. Simon, she had a whole bunch of sins. You made it very clear. You understand she was a prostitute. Simon, she had a whole lot of sins. But Simon, they have been forgiven. And because they have been forgiven, she loved me a whole lot. She loved me a whole lot. And then Jesus turned and spoke to the, pro- the ex-prostitute and said to the woman, apparently what had happened in private This one had met Jesus and had been forgiven, hence the display of love. But now he publicly says in front of those in the room, your sins are forgiven you. And so people are going, who is this man who can forgive sins? And Jesus turns back to her again and says, go in peace. Your faith has saved you. That's a story from God's Word. And it demonstrates how that when we experience the generosity of God, there's a certain response. This woman, who was a prostitute, and who had been shunned by everyone, no one wanted anyone to do with her, unless it's on business terms, met Jesus. And somewhere, the story doesn't record, He said, I forgive you. And she was so moved by receiving that forgiveness, she had to express her generosity. So she came to Jesus and and cried on his feet and and wiped his feet and, and kissed his feet and anointed his feet. You see, the truth is, when we experience generosity and we know and understand generosity, we respond with generosity, just like she did. And the way that we can be generous 
is by understanding what we received. Now across this room, there's a couple groups of people. There's some folks here who have experienced this great generosity of God, just like this lady. And one day God said, your sins are forgiven. And then another group of people are here today, and they've yet to experience that forgiveness. Two kinds of people in the world. Forgiven, unforgiven. It's not about really good or bad. It's not about black or white or, or tan or yellow. It's not about I live in this part of town and you live in that part of town. It's not if you, you know, claim the Baptist denomination or the Catholic denomination. God not impressed with those things. God's impressed when we respond to his generous offer of forgiveness. In Romans chapter 5, in verse number 6, it says this. For while we were still helpless, at the appointed time, Christ died for the really good people. Christ died for the white people. Christ died for the folks who would be willing to give him lots of money after they were forgiven. Isn't that crazy? For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for who? Say the ungodly. Guess who that is? Everybody raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. We are the ungodly. We are the ungodly. While we were helpless, I mean, there was nothing. See, you've got to understand something. We all hear the great stories about God's love. Jesus loves me, this I know. And it, boy, you are so right. For God so loved the world, that's right. But you've got to understand, there's another side of God. And that's the conflict. There's a side of God that says, for God so loved the world. But there's also this problem. And that is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And there's a side... God is holy, and He hates sin. He hates sin. And when we are over here in this group, and we've got all this sin, and God hates sin, we are separated from Him. And there's nothing I can bring to God and say, Hey, God, let's bargain. How about if I go to church the rest of my life? He said, That wouldn't even begin to pay the debt. How about if I give you 20% of my income? How about if I give lots of money? Okay, I'll go to Africa. I'll go to Africa. I'll surrender to go to Africa, God. God says, I don't care where you go. That won't begin to pay the debt. We have nothing to bring to God. We have no thing. We're helpless. At that exact moment, just the right time, Jesus died for us. The ungodly. All have sinned. All are ungodly. And it happened on a Roman cross just like that. Just like that. They took him and they nailed him between two thieves. He shed his blood. What a plan gone bad. It wasn't like, whoops, God was on vacation in Florida and his son actually got killed while he was gone. God looking forward from even before the first sin occurred said, guys, we've got to come up with a way. Guys being Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. We need to come up with a way, and the way is this. I will become flesh, and I will die on a cross 
and give people the opportunity to receive forgiveness for their sin. And 2,100 years ago, that happened. And it happened because we were helpless. We could bring nothing to God and say, God, I know I deserve hell. I deserve wrath. I deserve all that. Your anger. But God, I have nothing to appease that. And he goes, I do. I do. It's called my son. And he will die in your place. Because the wages of sin is death. And in dying, he'll fulfill this part that says this. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we were helpless, at just the right moment, Christ died for the ungodly. But watch this. I love verse 7. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Just means innocent. So if you saw one who was innocent and they were fixing to have to die for something, you might step in and say, look, he's innocent, I'm not, he doesn't deserve that. I'll die. You know, Paul says, maybe just perhaps, rarely will someone die for a just person. Or, or, though for a good person. If someone did really something tremendous for you, and they were facing death, you might say, take me instead. Take me instead. Maybe for a good person. You might be willing to do that. But watch this. But God. But God proves His own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's so cool. God didn't say, okay, get better and we'll talk. He didn't say, stop this and we'll talk. He didn't say, start going and we'll talk. He said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, praise the one who took my place. I deserve the cross. I deserve the full wrath of God. I deserve eternally separated from God because I have offended God with my sin and the wages of sin is death. But God said, wait! I'll die for you in the form of my son, Jesus Christ. Wow. Now, you're talking about generosity. You think giving away 620 bags of school supplies is generous? You think over $10,000 worth of shoes is generous? How about God becoming, becoming man and being nailed to an old rugged cross and, and willingly laid his life down? The Bible so clearly teaches he died at his time in his place. It is finished, he said, and he died. How incredible is that? If we go a little bit further. He says, much more than, since we have been declared righteous by His blood, we'll be saved through Him from wrath. Whoa, what does that mean, Dwayne? It means this. Watch this. You are looking at a righteous brother. Have you all heard of the famous group, the Righteous Brothers? I was in that group. I'm righteous today. In fact, every person here who has received Jesus Christ as Savior, you're righteous. You're righteous, dude. I know. I know. But not because I go to church. Not because I give God money. Not because I got a piece of paper that says I'm a preacher. I'm righteous today because one day I was ungodly. And I believe that Jesus Christ 
paid the price for my sin. I said, okay, Jesus, I believe you paid the price. I want to follow you the rest of my life. He said, you're on, and he made me righteous. But Wayne, you don't, I bet you're one of those people who never smoked. You never, I bet you never drank and you never like slept around with people and stuff. You know, I bet, I bet, whoa, whoa, time out. God doesn't care how much you've done. His grace account, if, if, if grace is a sea, we're sinking in it. I think the song's sad. His grace account is big enough for whatever you've done. Whatever you've done. Come on, let's tell God about that. Come on. His grace is sufficient. I don't know what you've done, and I know this, that God's grace is able to forgive you if you'll ask Him to. I want to make something clear. Just like I don't go and say, Hi, God, it's Dwayne again. You know that porn problem? Whoops, I did it again. I'm sorry. Let's see, where was that website at? Just that way, you don't come in and say, Hi, God, it's Dwayne. I need a fire escape. That wrath thing scared the pants off me, and I don't want to go to hell. Would you forgive my sins and then go live like you want to? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, well, like he did to a fisherman or to a tax collector one day. The tax collector was sitting there, and he said, Hey, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew said, I will, and he did. I'm talking about agreeing, first receiving that great gift and committing to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. And following Jesus means following his teaching. It means applying this book. Not to be saved, but because you are. Not to be forgiven, but because you are forgiven. And see, once you realize what he did here, and that you received that, and you, that you're declared righteous, you kind of want to. You say, man, when I realize how generous God's been to me, my response is to be generous to him and to others. I know we got some guests today. And we're so glad you're here. And you're here to pre-register and you're going to be back this afternoon. And we're going to have one crazy chaotic time, I promise you. But I want you to clearly understand something. I want you to know why we do what we do this afternoon. We do what we do this afternoon because of what God did for us. That's why. It's not because we're really good people. And that's because we're super cool. And, and we're not just trying to give you school supplies. We're trying to show you that just the way God's given us, we want to give to you. And in giving to you, we hope that you'll see that God gave the greatest gift. And that's His Son, Jesus Christ. What I could not do, Jesus did for me. So if you're here today, and you've been turned off by church, you've been turned off by preachers, You've been turned off by people who say one thing and do another. Just remember this. God didn't. God didn't. And God didn't. It's not about preachers. It's not about people. It's not about church. It's about you and God in eternity. And God says, I love you. And I want to forgive you. Because you've got a problem. And that problem is unconfessed sin. And if you die with unconfessed sin, you'll experience my full wrath because I hate sin. But you don't have to. Because Jesus died for you. And we want to give you a chance to make that commitment. Not unlike what happened to the tax collector guy. Not unlike what happened to that woman. 
Remember the, the woman? The prostitute? I don't know how they encountered. I don't know what happened. But somewhere in the process, Jesus said, look, I know everybody else wants to condemn you, but I don't. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will forgive you. Just like that woman. That's what Jesus wants to do for you today. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. I'm convinced. I used to kind of think that there's like a magic prayer you could pray. If you pray this prayer, you're in. But a prayer really just conveys to Jesus what's on our heart. If you're here today, whether you're here for the first time, whether you're here for early registration, whether you've been a member of this church for five years, whether you've been going to church for a hundred years. If you're here today, you recognize him. You know what? I've never really understood that generosity. I mean, I got baptized when I was a kid. I've been going to church forever. But I never really understood what Jesus did on the cross. And today you do. And today you'd like to, one, make that commitment to follow him, believing he is the Son of God. Believe that he died and resurrected on the third day. And commit to following his teaching for the rest of your life. Not to be saved, but because you are. If you want to make that commitment today, we want to help you do that. And I'm going to help you by, we're going to pray a prayer. Not that there's any magic words. But I think we need to kind of tell Jesus what we'd like to do. I think it does involve telling him that we believe that he is the son of God. Believe that he died and resurrected on the third day. Because that gives him the power to do what he says he can do. And then believe that he will forgive our sins. And then pledge a commitment to follow him. Not for a week, not till the crisis is over, but for the rest of our lives. If you've never done that today, we won't give you that chance. Now, a few disclaimers. Not going to embarrass you. Not going to ask you to raise your hand except only I can see it. Just because I won't pray for you. This is between me, you, and God. And I'm going to ask our congregation... Make sure you keep your eyes closed during this time. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If today you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, to give your sins, and receive that generous gift of Jesus, today is the day you can do it. Would you join me in prayer? You can pray quietly there in your seat. Pray in your heart. Pray out loud however you want to pray. I'll lead us. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you, 2,000 years ago, died for me. You took my place. I deserve death, and you went instead. I believe that on the third day, you came back to life. So I'm asking you today to forgive my sins. I want to turn from them. I want to turn from the road that I've been walking And walk a different road. I want to walk a road that means following you. I know this doesn't make me perfect. I know I may stumble and fall. But I will get up. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. Now with head bowed and eyes closed. I just told you I was going to be honest with you. I want to pray for you today. And our people aren't looking around. And if you're one of our people, no one else is looking around. But today, if you prayed that prayer in a minute for the first time in your life, 
Would you just slip your hand up this morning? Amen. There's one there. Others? Others? Dwayne, today I prayed that prayer. Amen. God bless you back there. Are there others? Yes, God bless you right here. Are there others? Amen. That's incredible. That's incredible. Here's what we want to do for you today. Now, now listen very carefully what I'm about to say. And if you couldn't raise your hand, this is cool for you too. If you prayed that prayer and said, Dwayne, I just couldn't raise my hand, that's cool. Now, now this is not, a, this is not a, a trick. But in a few moments, Dave's going to sing a song for us. And Brent's going to be standing down front. And Brent's our youth guy and activity guy. If you'll take him by the hand and say, hey, today I prayed that prayer. And I believe Jesus died for me. We just simply want to you know, celebrate with you. That's it. That's it. But if you don't, here's the deal. At our welcome desk this morning, we've assembled a packet of information. It includes a Bible. It includes what a new Christian should do. It's got like a cool bookmark. It's got a bracelet in it. It's got some Christian music in it. And it's got a little pamphlet that answers a whole bunch of questions about being a follower of Jesus Christ. And today, if you prayed that prayer, even if you couldn't raise your hand, if you'll go by the desk out there, the welcome desk where you get that little gift for coming today, we're going to give you this welcome packet. We want to help you grow in your faith. Because, guys, we know Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the real deal. All right? I'm going to pray. But Brent's going to come. Dave will lead us in a song. And then, let me pause here, too. Let's just get all the business out out, out one time. If you're here today and you're already a believer, but you've never done the baptism thing, which is just a bad act of obedience. It doesn't save you. It doesn't wash away your sins. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you should be baptized. Tell Brent about that. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our fellowship. You know, so this is a pretty cool place to serve. I would like to be a part of this team. Brent can help you with that also. And I know the altar is full of book bags, or excuse me, uh, school bags today, but it's still an altar. And we would love to pray with you if there's something you need to pray about. If you're going through a hard time right now, you know, I'm 57 years old, and I finally figured out life can be hard. Amen? Life can be hard. Come on down. We've got some friends who will pray with you today. All right? This, listen, you're amongst friends today. You're amongst friends. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you today, and we are grateful for the cross. We are grateful for forgiveness of sins. We are grateful that you loved us that much. And God, because we received much, we need to give much. So some today, for the first time, have received the great gift of forgiveness, and we praise you for that. Some, Father, many in this room have already received that great gift. Help us, God, to live generously because of what we received. In the same way you give to us, help us, Father, to give and give to others. Father, I know a couple of decisions that have already been made this week. We wait to celebrate those also. You've been great, you've been good, and you are gracious. And this is your time. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.